headphone volume good? It sounds great. Sound good. Drop the bass line. Uh. It's quite the bass. Alright, welcome to the Haas Boys Podcast. I am your host, my name is Max, and I'm sitting here with my buddy Mike. What's up? And together we are the Haas Boys. We talk about all things Formula One. We're based in the US of A, and we're going to get into a bunch of it today. Because what? That was a rhyme. Uh, I can't stop rhyming. (laughs) Yeah, dude. If you're new to the podcast, there are some freestyles happening now and then. Yeah. Yeah, we'd had a good one last week. Mostly Max. Yeah. I just have to beatbox because it's not my forte. Last week, if you missed it, there was a good beatbox that happened. Yes. It was a fun one. Yeah, it lost its way somewhere Uh in there, but you know what? I'm going to... Thanks, Max. I'll take the comment. No, it was so good. (laughs) It was so good. I have a question for you, Max. Yeah. Instead of the usual format where you ask me something. Oh, yeah. You were telling me recently that you saw a film... And I'm using a very pretentious word for this on purpose. Uh, Yeah, yeah. That featured Sly. Oh, yes. Also known as Sylvester Stallone. Yes. And it was... (laughs) (laughs) He's here today. He's our guest. (laughs) Um, No, but Sylvester Stallone in an IndyCar movie called Driven. Driven. Tell me more about your experience with this movie. Driven. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) What an experience this film was. Yeah, this is great. I will talk about Driven. I will give my review. And we will highlight some amazing parts of this movie. And then we will go into talking about Spa. Okay. And then we have some things we want to talk about with some of the other teams on the grid. Yes. And then we'll close out talking about Haas in the summer break. Yes. Okay, but first, Driven. Yes. Starring Sylvester Stallone. Let's go. This was recommended to us by a listener, and yeah. I had never heard of it before, and you said it's good. Go watch it. And so I went and watched it. I said it was good. <laughs> Did I say that? I was like, yeah, it's a movie. You're like, yeah, it's a movie. He, like, hums when he drives. That's all I remember. And it's that's still all I remember. Still, holy gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so this movie. Okay. So that's just a lot. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, this movie was very difficult to watch. <laughs> okay. I, so how do I, how do I start this movie out? I have never seen a movie with more edits in my life. <laughs> okay. Like cutaways. Um, I don't know. Cutaways. Just like, they'll be just like harsh cuts, harsh cu- cuts, cuts, cut, 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 cut every okay. second. So let's just know like, we need to make a movie about racing. And the amount of edits needs to be represented by the number of speed that we do with the race car. Like, it was like, he's like, cars are fast. So if like... The scenes need to be cut, cut, cut. So Sylvester Stallone. Yes. I don't know exactly what he was doing in this, his character. I'm just going to call him Sylvester. There's a there's some IndyCar teams. I don't know if it's IndyCar. This is the worst rundown of a movie so far. I obviously have a lot of questions it's, because it didn't answer any questions, but it gave me lots of questions. It's cart because it was prior to IndyCar. Oh, that's why it didn't look like IndyCar. Yes. Okay, it's cart. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. So there's like a driver and they he's sucking or something, so they get rid of him. And they're like, We need to bring in a new driver. And Burt Reynolds or someone who who is the team principal of this team <laughs> brings in Sylvester Stallone. They find him. OK. And he is just regular old American Joe with a flannel shirt on in a barn <laughs> wrenching on an old classic muscle car. Like, what, what have you got with? Sylvester Stallone <laughs> plays <laughs> the character of the most. He is the all-American heart of gold, humble 
driver and he is good at everything. And they bring him to the track to help replace this driver. And he's he's paired up with his teammate, right? Yep. First day on the track. This is, <laughs> this is the scene. First day on the track, the young hotshot driver that he's going to be teammates with is like, who's this old timer? Like, he can't drive. So Stallone doesn't have to say anything because he's humble. He probably said something. The audio was mixed terribly. I could not tell who was speaking. And the whole time, the whole time, Paul Oakenfold or some like late 90s techno DJ is just like spitting records at you. I am not joking. I am not joking. It's just the whole time. So Stallone gets in this car and he might have heard of some legend or some stupid driver doing this back in like 1958, right? Where a driver was like, I bet I, I bet if you throw a quarter out on that track, I can drive around and hit it with my tire. And, and Sylvester Stallone heard about that story and about how a driver hit a quarter with his tire and how he was just like perfectly on the line. Wow. So in this movie, Sylvester Stallone's driver gets in the car first lap. He's driving around and the guys are like, why is he stopping all the time? And it shows so slow. And he stops, pulls a quarter out. I don't know where from. Flicks it onto the track. Drives like another bit around the track. Throws a quarter out. Drives another ways around the track. Flips a quarter out. And then he proceeds to fly around the track. He like drifts into each quarter. Okay. And picks up each quarter with his wheels because they're now warmed up because now melty. they're sticky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's ridiculous wow <laughs> and he pulls in and the young hotshot driver looks at his tires and there's two quarters stuck on the thing he's like well you missed three you missed one of them and he walks away right he lets him walk away because Sylvester Stallone is humble yeah but then his mechanic turns the tire over to reveal the last quarter hey. oh. <laughs> humble to the core got him he's a good driver Jeez. anyway Wow. That was one scene. So, I mean, so he was driving around flicking quarters. I actually remember this scene pretty vividly. Yeah. His like little hand comes out of the cockpit like, and like, blink, blink. it's like, ping, 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 ping. <laughs> and like, what's he doing? He's like, he's getting to know the track. Something that he does. Oh no. That's when he's like humming. Yeah. They're like, what's he doing? They like hear humming over his radio, yeah. which you can't as a watcher hear because Paul Oakenfold is just yeah, like Tiesto. It's just like just house music playing yeah. way too Early aggressively. 2000s house like Junkie XL or like whatever, Chemical Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> but like he's humming. It's just something he does when he's driving. He hums. And it's like, of course he he's does. He's a hummer. Yeah. yeah. Guys, I didn't make it to the movie. I stopped. I... <laughs> There were there were wild characters that were popping in and out. One of the drivers like divorces his wife, but the wife keeps coming to every single race. Don't know why. Because mm, that's what you do. Sylvester Sloan will be having a normal conversation with a buddy driver, probably just about like, hey, like, you know what? You're a good driver. You could possibly, you know, work on your game. Like, you know, you need to work on you need to work on this lap put in the car. That's what I do. That, oh, so like a heartfelt conversation, yes. right? Yeah. And there will be 2,000 cuts over every single shoulder, every angle. Guys, it's dizzying. It is dizzying. I have no idea how the movie ends. It's a Michael Bay film, but it's not. It's not. It's prior to Michael Bay's yeah. like real big hit. Yeah. Because this movie was made in, let's see here, what year was this? You guys ever see those um, producers? 2001. Those like, or like hip hop samplers that will have their track pad out and they have each of the samples on each of the padders like tapping like, like, you know, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, it was like they just gave one of those guys, one of those controllers to the editor and just yeah. like every time you hit something that's just gonna be a new just, a new a new edit when you're listening to music <laughs> and make just, sure make sure to drink six yeah. red bulls before yeah. you come in here as well it is wild 
Just Do you want to know what's sad? Sylvester Stallone couldn't get access to Formula One paddocks. Correct. Our listener taught us this, and that's yeah. what it was like. Oh, it intrigues me. I had no idea. Anyway, and so he tried to make a movie about an old guy coming back to Formula One to fill the seat of a dying team, and I don't know what happens. I could probably guess and get it like 80% accurate. <laughs> right. But the, the saddest thing is that Brad Pitt is now doing the exact same movie and he does get access to Formula One. Not only that, he gets to drive her on the track <laughs> with Formula One drivers uh, in at Silverstone. <laughs> at Silverstone. Yeah. He's just, he, Brad Pitt is living Sylvester Stallone's dream. I would say in terms of car movies, it is the worst. I, again, I'm going to have to take your word. Condor Man. <laughs> That one's pretty bad, but I'm going to have to take your word for it because it has been a long time mm-hmm. for me and I'm not sure that I will give it the time I'm guessing day. that one of the other drivers gets in a wreck because at some point they got to get hot headed and go street racing. I tapped out before they did that. I feel like there's going to be some sort of storyline that is a little bit days of thunder in mm-hmm. the sense of like the a, a driver gets injured, right? Some kind of injury. And then the whole, the, the last drama. race comes down to the very end of the season. The points are on the line. I am going to put money down that Sylvester <laughs> Stallone doesn't win because uh, he's too much of a humble man and he wants to help out his teammate i'm trying to think of the most like tropey thing in the world yeah, because yeah, this yeah. movie was 100 percent trope yeah yeah well i here's what i remember okay i remember that there is a in the story arc there's something where sylvester stallone is convinced to not do what he normally does which is win. Someone has you convinced him away win. from what his normal mojo is or an accident or something puts him there. You it's don't one want of me the to win the race? I thought you got me out of my barn fixing my, my muscle car so you win the races. When all seems lost yeah. with Sly yeah. and in the race, in the mm-hmm. final moments... They are all on their radio feeling defeated, but they've got their headsets on in the Mm -hmm. pits and they hear him to start to hum. (laughs) I forgot. Yes, that has to happen. And and, and then he starts, he's like, and then all of nowhere, the car just like, he's just like passing everybody. That's what I remember. Is he humming the Rocky theme song? He starts like seeing it too. No, that's not what I remember, but I do remember that that's at least at some point at the end of the movie that takes place. Man, I am very happy that this was recommended to me. Yes. Thank you to a listener. Yeah. I forget which one, but thank you to a listener who wrote in and told me to check out Driven. I honestly think if you were to find that footage and just re-edit it and take out the, like the, <laughs> yeah, That's... take out the Euro trash house music from 1999, you would have a story <laughs> that you could follow. Yeah. Yeah. It was wild. It was directed by the same guy who did Cliffhanger. Oh. Which I think yep. also speaks a little bit of volumes because I think Cliffhanger was very over the top. I don't know when was the last time you watched Cliffhanger. I almost watched it the last one. I haven't watched it in a while. It's 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 it has to be over the top. It's very ridiculous. So Stallone has a movie called Over the Top. He, he does. is over the top. He's very much. I think is that, that I, Driven was is an ironic piece. Driven that, came there? out at a time when movies were very much into the whole handheld camera work, lots of edits, and just full sending every single like media thing they could do to just make it like the most insane extreme experience for the viewer. But all it does become is nauseating and like seizure inducing. (laughs) Right. I think it's actually just going to be the Brad Pitt movie. So just wait for the Brad Pitt movie. Yeah, we can't wait. We can't wait to actually, if you want to see the Brad Pitt movie before it comes out and not be so disappointed by the writer's strike and a few Mm -hmm. other things, watch Driven. Watch Driven. That's what we're going to suggest. Go back and watch Driven. (laughs) 
Let's shift gears. Yeah. Get away from Driven. Let's, I, let's move on. Thank you for listening to me <laughs> review Driven. Two stars out of ten. Two out of ten. Yeah. Shifting gears, going into the race that just happened this last weekend. Yo. The International Spa Francorchamps Grand Prix. Yes. I threw an international and I made up the second name. (laughs) But Spa. But Spa. The Belgian Grand Prix. We had a sprint race. Which was fun to watch. It was a fun sprint race. It was was great. It was very short. Yes. Well, the number of laps are low. But remember, this is a almost five mile long circuit. It's four and a half miles. That is really? Yep. That's a long circuit. It's very big. Right. Okay. Because I think initially I thought it was going to be like 15, 17 laps. But then when the sprint race started, it said 11 laps. It's like 12 or 11. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to be quick. Really short. Yeah. But yeah, again, another, this circuit is so much bigger than like, mm-hmm. I think they did like 70 or 80 laps of the Hungaro ring. Yes. There's only 40 laps. 44 yeah. laps for Belgium. Wild, yeah. It so, was a crazy weekend. Really big racetrack. I loved, I mean, I feel like every time this year that we've had a great result or at least something that's been entertaining to watch, there has been mixed weather conditions mm-hmm. where it's not just rain. Mm-hmm. It's not just sun. It's a little of both. Yeah. The sprint race had a wet start and a dry finish, which I think is why yeah. that was so fun to watch. Yes, yes. A mixed conditions are really hard to predict for the teams, mm-hmm. which means that you do just get a little bit of a better result. That you makes know? sense that this track is so big because over the radio, you would hear the engineers coming over to the drivers saying like, we have rain down at this end of the track. And if it's four miles long, then yeah, you would have you're down rain by, You're down by the grocery store. You grab milk and eggs. Uh-huh. And by the time you come back to the pit, yeah. later, you're at home. For real. And it's <laughs> dry over there. And it's wet over there. Yeah. It's amazing to watch these cars with their wets or their enters, whatever they on, spray water off the track. Right. Huge rooster tails. Massive spray. It's amazing how much water they are displacing. Right. And how quickly that track gets dry. Well, and they have been testing or are planning to test a rain guard something that goes over the wheels to try to minimize the amount of spray that comes off of the car but it'd keep the track wet still right it would still remove it from where the the line is uh-huh. because it wouldn't fall directly back down onto okay. the track but what it would do is it would just not put it in the air as uh, high as it does now just make a shield that sprays it into the grandstands like shamu at <laughs> sea world sp- splash zone the splash zone <laughs> I think splash zone is something we need to pitch to Formula One. Yeah, dude. They're already in their ponchos. Anything that's past the blue line, you're going to get wet. That would be great. Yeah, I think Spa is one of the only racetracks that, that could bank could on something on like it. that. <laughs> but, it's, but it's not a bad idea. Yeah. But gosh, I was watching qualifying and we had so, for Sunday, which took place on Friday. And this is the weird thing about the sprint weekend. The sprint right? weekend's weird. You have a qualifying session. On Friday. And that counts for Sunday's race. Correct. And then on Saturday, you have your own qualifying session and your own mini race for whatever the hell reason. (laughs) Yeah, for just the sprint day. And that's it. Just sprint day. Just sprint day. Brought to you by Sprint Wireless. Friday is a practice session, Mm -hmm. FP1, then a qualifier. And the qualifying affects Sunday. 
Yeah. It didn't used to be like that. It did not used to be like that. So that's the new format for mm-hmm. the, the sprint races for this season. And I had forgotten that. And that's why on Saturday morning, I was watching the sprint race and texting you saying, why is the order different what, from what qualifying what results read. were? Yeah. I watched qualifying on Friday <laughs> yeah. and sprint race on Saturday. I was like, it's not at all what qualifying You're was. Like, why is Daniel Ricciardo he got 11th? A, he got a really good, uh, everyone else got penalized a lot. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I felt like it, what was interesting, and I'm not just saying this is a Daniel Ricciardo fan, but as somebody who's like, genuinely like i'm interested in his results obviously but mm-hmm. i was so surprised that they were punishing for track limits in wet conditions during qualifying i felt like I, i'm like of all the times yeah. to maybe be a little bit flexible here mm-hmm. maybe during rain sessions mm-hmm. track limits aren't as harsh to be like deleted lap yeah. you're out of here yeah he he qualified real real well but he just went out the line a little bit heading up a row he hit he hit the bump at the bottom of the hill mm. which i had talked about last week yes and got out of shape as he came up the hill and so he went all four wheels past the white line coming over mm. radion and so the thing that sucks about that is yeah he had his lap deleted he yeah. had qualified right next to yuki yeah and then ended up starting what 18th or 19th or something yeah, it was because bad. of the lap deleting I mean, it could have happened to anybody. I know that several mm-hmm. drivers had their laps deleted and it just didn't happen on their last lap. Daniel mm-hmm. was the victim in that way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that was brutal. And it so much affected his race. Yeah. Like there was just nothing that it's seemed like to start the from the back of the grid with, with the worst car. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's tough. But Daniel Ricciardo still sprint race and on the Grand Prix. Um, I was texting you. He makes that slow car look competitive. Decent. Yeah, totally. And that's amazing. Whereas the flip side of that, Sergio Perez is making the fastest car on the grid looks the, like the slowest. Look look like it's a handful. Yes. And uncontrollable. Yeah. So not a good day for Sergio Perez. I mean, he finished second, which in the, I'm in the race. I'm thinking of the sprint race. In the sprint race, he had a bad it's, race. It's hard when there's two races in one weekend to remember which was which. Lewis put a hole in the side pot of the sprint race mm. and was penalized five seconds yeah. for crashing into Perez. There was a lot of controversy around whether or not Lewis's side pod contact was a racing incident or if it should have been penalized. All the announcers went off on Twitter saying so like that saying it like it's just an accident. Let it, it was, go. Yeah, or it was just an accident. Five seconds was harsh or five seconds was too harsh. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, it's funny. Quick step backwards. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Lewis and Max and crashing and whatever a lot in the past. Yeah. Something that's really funny to me, and I'm going to just say it out here on record. Yeah. Lewis has a really bad track record of being able to pass someone clean. <laughs> okay. He is a really bad passer. Oh. So he qualifies super well when Very he was in criticism. his dominant period, qualified first, but you don't crash into people when you're first. Ah, this is an interesting point. Yeah. And so when he's in the middle of the pack and he's going for passes, he tends to be a little bit like, this is my spot mm-hmm. and don't come into my spot mm-hmm. or get anywhere near where I think I should be. Yeah. And then it's somebody's side pot or floor or whatever. We saw it with Kevin Magnuson. Mm -hmm. He's knocked a few front wings off for us. Yes. He's crashed into Albon. He's crashed into Perez. Yeah. Lewis is like, if you're on the outside, he's going to make contact with you. That's kind of like, I feel Mm. his signature move. Yeah. Yeah. Most of like the, again, the media and the press are big Lewis Hamilton fans. Yes. So you don't really hear that take. Yeah. But that's something that I've noticed. Just maybe a harsh reality. Yeah. He just is not great at passing 
people on the outside. Or maybe just look at the numbers and then make up your own mind. Yeah. There's the moments. There's the statistics. You can look them up for them number of maybe times he's crashed into people. he is innocent every single time. He has <laughs> never done anything wrong in his entire life. Never once. This is all very coincidental. But that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Then the sprint race was entertaining to watch. Mixed conditions. Lewis running into Perez. Tons of drama there. But also Piastri gets second. Like he finished second. Good job for Piastri. I'm like, I, you know, this guy in his wet blanket attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I want him to beat Lando pretty bad. Uh-huh. And so when he gets a second place and Lando doesn't, yes. I am I am filled with joy. <laughs> and I think that because Daniel's back on the grid, mm-hmm. I'm less annoyed by yeah, Oscar Piastri. Yeah, we're less annoyed for sure. <laughs> and it's funny, I was also saw a little news thing the other day and it was like, first time two Australians have been on the grid at the same time since Mark Webber and Daniel Ricciardo, blah, blah, blah. And I was like... You guys keep leaving out Valtteri Bottas, and I'm getting offended <laughs> for him. Yeah. At this you don't point, even it's know. not he is fair. Australian. He's freaking converted, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. So, and, and the fact that, like, Daniel Ricciardo, he's not in the best car. Right. But he has a bright future. Right. A bright possibility moving right. forward. That, yeah, now it's allowed me to not be so mad at Oscar. It, it's award. hard to hold the, yeah, it's hard to hold a grudge against Oscar when he's putting in good performances. Yeah. And and we saw how like, you know, how much of a torture victim Daniel was coming out of McLaren. Right. And Christian Horner just welcomed him back in. Right. McLaren wasn't the fit for Daniel Ricardo. Right. And it's okay that Piastris is in that. Yeah. Seat. And he's and he's <laughs> it's funny. I was having a conversation with my wife about Piastri finishing second and how mm-hmm. I was impressed. And she was like, sorry, what is his name? And I was like, no one knows. I was like, honestly, Oscar no Piastri. <laughs> and she was like, P- what? Yeah. And I was dying. <laughs> I was dying. I was, and she was like, why is this so funny to you? And I'm like, apparently this is like a disease. Like his name yeah. is it hard for people to It a couple months to learn it. It is wild. But no, Oswald Piastris is a very hard name to remember. Totally. He does have a very different accent than Daniel. And oh, you yeah. and I both lived in Australia. <laughs> yeah. So like we can recognize it. And his is very Bogan. His is like Oscars is very like, I think it's just Melbourne, like Victoria people. Is it? Like maybe, but he's just like, Oh yeah. Oh it's yeah. I drive the car <laughs> short. Yeah. Oh, I just, I like the paddock. I drive the car. McLaren's a good team. Whereas Daniel's like very surfer, classic Aussie. He's yeah, just classic yeah. bro Aussie that what you would think of with a fun Australian. Totally. But Oscars is very, I would think, very bow. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think I it think probably, it's maybe it's even just a little bit of that like move to England thing mm-hmm. and then being into cricket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't Did he say cricket is his favorite sport? He that's loves right. Yeah. Cricket. This makes total sense. Now. Right. Yeah. yeah. D- d- yeah I think gotcha. that that's one big defining that factor. Is it. Yeah. <laughs> That is it. <laughs> so That's anyways, hilarious. now that we've established the different Australians. And now that we've talked about the sprint race and Oswald winning second place. Yes. And, um, and Pierre Gasly got third. Yeah. See, what it, that was a fun podium. Right. Very unexpected. We haven't seen such shakeups on the podium. No. And to see Alpine perform on such a dark weekend for them mm. was actually kind of a good thing. But we're going to get into Alpine later. Yes. Like yes, you yes, said, yes. they had some insane things happening. This was a pretty rough weekend for them. So we will come back around to that. This is this weekend's hard to even put into a format for <laughs> this us. This is what a sprint race does to you. <laughs> they fit a mini race inside a big race. And it's so, like a turducken of races. <laughs> It's hard to eat. It's super hard. And it's to, hard to remember what you ate when it comes out. And you don't really want to tell anybody that you had turducken. <laughs> no one wants to know. <laughs> no one wants to know about it. So, did you have a KFC double down? <laughs> no. 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 
No, I Why? didn't. Why? Did you watch the sprint race this weekend? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> of course I did. Yeah. But now moving on to the great Grand Prix. Ba, ba, da, ba. The race itself. Yes. Grand Prix Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, if we just can't say enough about Max Verstappen's confidence in the team, mm-hmm. starting to show a little bit of arrogance? Well, what do you mean? What happened? So Max crushed it. Right. He was yeah. super fast. Yeah. He drove from, what was it, sixth in the grid? Well, he, he got pull. He got pull. But he had a gearbox change. Okay, so he yeah. had a five I, yeah, place grid pull. But yeah, like when he's starting that far back on the grid, I'm thinking, uh, it's okay. Yeah, he'll be fine. Red Bull's not worried. Yeah, which would technically rank Charles Leclerc first for the race. And we start the race. Mm-hmm. Oscar, unfortunately, brings his race to a short, mm-hmm. very short version of the day before. Mm-hmm. He tries that inside line move that Roman Grosjean karate chopped mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso in uh-huh. and took out the side pod of Carlos Sainz, mm. which ultimately destroyed both of their races. Carlos didn't have anything nice to say about it. He was uh, he went as far as to say, well, maturity and inexperience, those are real things. Mm. Nobody has ever successfully made that line work. Those were his lines. Really? He's like, don't try that crap at Spa. It never mm. has ever worked. Wow. Very low tolerance for what had happened right, to him. You would. I don't blame Carlos Sainz because he seems to always get the crap end of the deal with he's doing great, mm-hmm. but no one around him is. His car is either exploding because of something or someone's crashing into him. Yeah. So I get his lack of tolerance yeah, for totally understandable. <laughs> being crashed into. But- you know, it's funny. People were posting on Facebook and Reddit and whatever, and they're like, what lap will Max Verstappen take the lead? Yeah. Because is, it's just like, we're just expecting it. Exci- this is how we get excitement now. Right. And I was like, lap five. Yes. This is a gigantic trap. That's 20 miles. Uh-huh. That's all he needs to pass everyone. Yeah. I, I was surprised. Mm-hmm. It was lap 17. Okay. Yeah. So not that I'm saying he wasn't trying hard or whatever. It, yeah. just, it just took longer than I thought. It just took longer. Yeah. This race had, I think it was like three pit stops mm-hmm. for, on average, for most of the teams. Okay. There was a couple of two stoppers, yeah. but I think most everyone did it three stops. And it rained at one point, briefly, like you said. Well, in typical kind of like what we've come to see this year, mm-hmm. the race of the front was nothing. Okay. Right. But the rest of the pack was shuffling. And yeah. it was kind of almost at, at moments, it was like people who were in 18th did have a shot to be in the points because there's just so many shuffles with pit stops and different gotcha. strategies mm-hmm. that everything behind first was going to be interesting. But, but once Max got out front, yeah, he came over the radio and GP, which is his engineer. Okay. Said, Max, use your head. Don't overdrive the tires. Mm-hmm. And Max came back and he said, or I could pull a pit stop gap. <laughs> and GP said, no, not this time. What do you mean? So in Austria, Max pitted on lap 69 okay. of 71 for soft tires so he could get fastest lap. Yeah. And he had like a 24 second gap to second place. But he was like, huh? How about some pit stop practice? Come on, guys. I want fastest lap. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. So with the Belgian Grand Prix, he started making jokes with his engineer being like, come on, like we could do it again. And he was like, no, not this time. Uh, Yeah. Like, shut up, Max. This is not the time. Just showing that Max is not worried. He's not. Yeah. And he didn't listen. And he still pulled a pit stop gap. Did he? He pulled in. He pulled, no, he didn't do a pit stop, but he pulled a full 24, 25 seconds over second place. Oh, gotcha. A pit stop gap. So yeah. he was creating gap between him and the second place between him enough and for a pit stop. Yeah. 
Wow. And the team was like, well, you don't need fastest lap. And Lewis Hamilton ended up taking it anyway. So crazy. Yes. He's so dominant with that car right now that Mm -hmm. he, on a soft compound tire, can pull that kind of gap. He had 22.3 seconds between him and Sergio Perez at the end of the race. Wild what's happening with Red Bull's dominance right now. Yes. The rest of the racing field, Fernando Alonso getting fifth was good to see. That was a really good result compared mm-hmm. to what we have seen in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Charles Leclerc getting on the podium was awesome. Just cool. felt good to have a Ferrari up there again. Yep. And Lewis finished fourth, George Russell sixth, Lando Norris in seventh. How did our Haas boys do? Well, Kevin Magnussen finished 15th, which that might sound like a disappointment, but compared to several weeks of kind of finishing he's DNF the, yeah, or, he's at the back. or really struggling at the back, 15th was actually a really solid finish for mm-hmm. him. And Hulkenberg finished 18th, but there was also some like some strategy things that didn't really work out in his favor. Hey, we got to take those risks sometimes. Yeah, definitely. We're going to talk about Haas later on about potential upgrades after the summer break. So hopefully we see some improvements. Totally. We've been saying that for a while, but yeah, it goes up and down. Totally. Overall, the Belgian Grand Prix was fun to watch, but I I would say the sprint sprint race was probably the better of the two races. Yeah. Just because of the mixed weather conditions. Mm hmm. But it was shorter, more exciting. Yeah, but still a very fun uh, event this weekend. I think that following the summer break, everyone will come back a little bit more rejuvenated. Hopefully a couple more upgrades and some opportunities for bringing the field closer together. Sweet. That was a good race. Well, let's move on. I think we wanted to, we mentioned, we've teased a few things. We want to talk about Alpine. Yes. And then maybe some Red Bull stuff. But let's get into Alpine. They had a shakeup this week. I haven't paid a lot of attention. I know that Otmar Krakenhauer <laughs> is no longer with the team. Is that right? Right. Let's get into it because he's not the only one who has left Alpine no. in the past couple years or so. And so maybe there's something wrong with the Alpine Formula One team. There definitely appears to be. Mm-hmm. So a few weeks ago, prior to Silverstone, you made some predictions. We should have recorded it. Yeah. And it's funny. We didn't talk about it, but I texted our group chat and I said, guys, I really smell something funny coming from Alpine. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I felt that way was because of a few factors and we'll go ahead and just break them down really fast. But yeah, real quick. First one being Fernando Alonso left the team. Even before that, Daniel Ricciardo left the team. Mm hmm. And Oscar Piastri, who was supposed to follow Fernando Alonso's announcement as Mm -hmm. the driver to move up to the seat, Mm -hmm. said, I don't have a contract with you guys. I'm racing for McLaren next year. Yep. Then the team that Fernando Alonso goes to, Aston Martin, Mm -hmm. suddenly is second fastest car at the beginning of the season. Oscar Piastri goes to McLaren. They struggle. But by Silverstone has leapfrogged Alpine is now second fastest car. And the two drivers that you've lost are now performing better than your team. Right. And your team hasn't found the silver bullet that these two teams that were behind you last year mm-hmm. have now found. Yeah, that doesn't look good. It's definitely looking pretty rough. <laughs> pretty rough in terms of what you've managed to do with your ex-drivers in your own car. Definitely. Yeah. Now, the thing about Formula One and whatever is we know that it takes time Mm-hmm. to even recruit and for people to leave their job and then to be able to be a member of the team. Formula One's one of those sports where contracts are in place mm-hmm. and where drivers, these are a little bit loose. It's just ink on paper to them. They just mm-hmm. rip them up and do whatever they want. Yeah. For the layman, that is not the case. Let's say like, and even so, Alpine, formerly Renault, Right. It's been a long, around for a while. For a long time. They used to, they won championships with Fernando. 
Like right. they've been around it for ages. For ages. The expectation of team principals to deliver in such a small window, mm-hmm. and not just team principals, but drivers who are helping develop car and all that stuff, you can't just expect instant results. Everyone in Formula One will tell you it's not possible. You've heard me say it when we talk about Haas and the big picture goals mm-hmm. and how we get there, and it's not going to be an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. McLaren hired Rob Marshall from Red Bull, and he's on air quotes, garden leave is what they call it, Okay, from Red Bull for the remainder of the year since the announcement was made. Oh, wow. So although they have hired him, mm-hmm. he has to sit at home for the rest of the year not working for McLaren and has to take the rest of his paycheck or whatever. But Red Bull doesn't want him anywhere near their tech, their software, or any data. So that way he doesn't give any secrets away to McLaren. Weird. That type of tactic exists throughout the entire paddock, up and down the garage. You have people who are being hired from other teams, but they're being forced to be sidelined until their contract is up. And then they can start working with the next team. Yeah, weird. All that as an example to say, you can't expect someone to just join a team immediately, A, and okay. B, to be able gotcha. to get a result right away. Otmar Schaffenauer has made some moves to hire some people to Alpine, mm-hmm. and they haven't even started. Oh my gosh, are you serious? And uh, Otmar's gone. Oh, wow. So he won't even see the people that he hired join the team. Holy cow. So here is the rap sheet. I was going to say, who has left Alpine? Since 2018. Starting with Otmar Schaffenauer. <laughs> or I'm going to work backwards. You might remember a, a Backwards, man. Backwards, so starting most recent? Start, starting from the one from the furthest back. Okay. You might remember a guy named Cyril Abitabol. Sir, Cyril. He was, Cyril. if you watched Drive to Five, he is the Frenchman over Renault who loves Daniel. Yes. <laughs> That's the best way to describe Honestly, him. Honestly, he loves Daniel Ricardo he was a so much. Huge fan of Daniel. Cyril was let go mm-hmm. by the team. Okay, so real. Chop, chop. Followed by him, someone named Marcin Butkowski was the- Mike Wachowski. <laughs> was executive director, but interim team principal. He only lasted a year, 2021. Done. Nick Chester, technical director, gone. Gone. Bob Belt, chief technical officer. These are all gone. big titles. Yeah, they're not- These aren't just like- This isn't just race mail engineer. Mailroom. Yeah. Uh, garbage <laughs> collector. No. I don't know if I'm saying this right. Peter Mashin or Mackin. Okay. Uh, head of aerodynamics. Axe. Gone. Remy Taffin, engine chief. Gone. Laurent Rossi, who is the most recent CEO, was let go after Silverstone. Oh, the CEO. The CEO of Alpine was let go. He oh, was moved geez. to a special projects division in air quotes. Okay, yeah. And just to put it into context as well, the, yeah. they hired the new CEO or they moved him into that role. Mm-hmm. And what is that? Two weeks later, they let Otmar go. Okay. So after Jeez. two or three weeks, this guy's is already like already the, handing out pink slips. Yeah. Pat Fry, who is the chief technical officer, mm. is going to Williams. So he had quit before Jeez. this happened. Still. Alan Permain is by far the most heartbreaking one of these. Who is this guy? He is the sporting director and he has worked for the team for 34 years. Hmm. His, Still, maybe he sucks. It, maybe he sucks. Okay, but... But that kind of track record, you yeah. wouldn't suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you wouldn't work you're on F1 team, team for 30 years, yeah. you know? And then last but not least, Otmar Schaffenauer. There's one person that I left off that list. Yes, it is. Alain Prost. The classic... What did you call him? The professor? The professor, the former F1 driver. He seems to know what he's doing. And he was let go Jeez. in 2021. So his role... Former Formula One driver 
champion. What was his role? He was executive director. He was on oh the my board. Gosh, this this organization seems insanely toxic. Insane. What's going on? Why? Are, I mean, are the people being let go the problem? Or is the owners the problem? I think it's the lack of patience is the problem. There's definitely a board of directors because mm-hmm. Renault and Alpine is a massive car company. Yes, they're huge. And there's a lot of passion and money in this sport. Yep. But I think that they're lacking the understanding of time and leadership and structure to be able to get it across the finish line. Yep. I think they expect the results as quickly as a McLaren mm. has been. Gotcha. Or, or an Aston Martin. Huh. And if you're chucking out technical directors and chief engineers and stuff, then like it's like you're almost starting at square one every single year because the guy has to do a whole new job again. And it's an all new process with a new person. Yeah. I mean, do we blame Ryan Reynolds? He is an investor at Alpine. Right. Is but, he making these decisions? But that's part of what having so many investors, so many board of directors, so many people who have a say mm-hmm. or a, a voice of any kind is the recipe for disaster in F1 team. Basically, what I think that you're doing is that it's like you, you have to trust that the leader that you've put in place has a method. Yeah. And that that leader is going to find a driver, back that driver, and the team's going to back that driver. Right. And that they're going to build towards a world championship. And here's something that we have talked about in the past in terms of like Mercedes, love them or hate them. That team functions as one well-oiled unit. Right. They are completely in sync with each other. Like Lewis Hamilton, we make fun of him for always giving shout outs to the factory or whatever, but like they are all one person pretty much. Right. From like the driver to the engineers to the team to the team principal to the owners. Man, they're all all under one vision moving towards that goal and it shows. Like they are a great team. And when they haven't been, they brought the car that they had last year. Yeah. And there was a disagreement. You could tell. Mm-hmm. They moved some people around. Guess what? The car's fast again. Mm-hmm. And they're cruising towards finding Red Bull's pace. Yeah. It's it's amazing when you find the jive. Yeah. Right? You've probably seen it in places that you've worked at, in businesses. Right. Some companies just don't have their act together. Right. Everyone's out for themselves. Right. The company sucks. But when you work for that one company that's just like, it's everyone knows the mission effort. statement. They're all aligned behind it. Right. Yeah. Company rocks. That company rules. And Alpine moves. is not rocking right now. They don't get it. Yeah. I think the best part of all of this, though, and I think you're going to lose your mind. Okay. Yep. <laughs> the rumored person to take over for Otmar Schaffenauer is none other than Where's Waldo Mattia Venoto. Oh, that is wild. That is wild. I, you know that team is on crack. They literally are the biggest crackheads if they it want Mattia. It is Mattia. confirmed. It is confirmed <laughs> that Otmar Krakenauer wasn't the only crackhead at Alpine. No. It was standard practice. <laughs> this is Everyone what they were doing. Everyone smoke crack, get to the garage and get on that paddock. Like, that is insane. It is wild to me that Bonotto's they could, coming on board. Ugh. I can't even imagine. I mean, who did he just smooth talk? In what language? (laughs) We don't know. Because he refuses to speak French and English. Just Italian. (laughs) Just Italian. Yeah. There's no way he's speaking French. You know, I I know that because of his 30 years of experience under his belt at Ferrari is what Alpine is salivating over. Yeah. Because they're like, you have so much time in a team. And one team that has been on top. Mm -hmm. And and when they were, he was... And the chief engine guy. So yeah, for he, Michael Schumacher, he right? knows the engine. So he knows power units, 
And he knows how to tank a team when the principal is. <laughs> and, and, and he knows how to take a team to almost so championship like, level. So they're like, you tell us what to do with the engine and tell us what not to do with the drivers? <laughs> yeah, because we could have to find somebody else for that one. <laughs> but if you finger wag Pierre Gasly one time, we're telling you, buddy, the door's that oh way. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, I am I'm baffled that... Yeah. That this is the direction just because I, for me personally, feel like, yes, he's a great technical lead. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where he belongs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that team, principal, team principal is likely oh. going to blow up Alpine even further. That's wild. They're just grasping at straws, it feels like. They're like, there's got to be somebody. They're like, there's just, this just, we're one higher away from being the perfect team. And Ryan Reynolds is like, wasn't Bonotto on Ferrari? Ferrari's the fast team, right? Luca DeMeo is apparently friends with Benotto, and that's supposedly what's kind of guys. I have this friend. <laughs> he's looking for a job. He's 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 kind of been around the block. Guys, trust me, he's really chill. He's, he's really good. cool. But here's my favorite part, though. Is like I kind of like picture Luca DeMeo being like in the middle of the night, shaky, uh-huh. cold sweat, and he's just yeah. like seeing the results from the year. Mm-hmm. And he has his iPhone, and he's just like <laughs> dials Christian Horner. <laughs> he's just like. Christian picks up like hello like middle of the night yeah. and he's just like <laughs> and he's like speak you coward and hangs up on him <laughs> just calling you yeah and he's just like I can't do it I can't do it picture him just being like that that psycho stalker it's the ex who can't let you go right he's yeah. just like he calling needs, hanging up he needs Christian Horner yes he needs Toto Wolf yes he's like I can't I've got Otmar Chef an hour yes how do I get one of these guys? Obviously, he's on crack. I can sense it in right. this role play that he and, is on crack. Yeah, and then he and then he he dials Gunter, <laughs> and Gunter just answers, "Hello." <laughs> uh, and Gunter just says, "I'd never come to that crap team." Yeah, and hangs up on him. And hangs up on and him. He knows it's Luca. He knows he's already there. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's did Mattia Bonotto show up to the Alpine job interview wearing a mustache? <laughs> And like, I do not I do not know this Mattia that you speak of. I do not know this. This is a very French accent for a very Italian man. <laughs> but did they think they're like, oh Matteo Pinotto? You, your name is very similar to Matteo Binotto. It's very very similar. I do not know this man. Of course he's French. <laughs> this is the worst. He has a beret. Yeah. And like the striped shirt and everything. I love like, the baguettes. I love the Alpine. I love the Renault. And the Bougeol. <laughs> Hired. They're like, he named three French motorsport <laughs> engine companies. companies. Wait, they, he must Get know. him on. Get him on. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, this is wild yeah so i feel bad for pierre and i do too yeah it's like oh man the other guy i felt like you finally had a team behind you yeah remember we were all stoked it's like oh two french drivers yeah kind of like a french team to take on the rest of the grid right yeah i whew, i have no doubt in my mind it's not crack but there is very Strong, copious amounts of drugs at the Alpine. Strong substances yeah. being used in the Alpine yes. headquarters. <laughs> yes. Yes. This, this is wild. It's beyond logic to do anything that they've done mm-hmm. as frequently as they've done. But does this mean that the pink is going away? This is the good news. <laughs> this is, because I... This is why we do <laughs> drugs. Is that we have rid ourselves of BWT Yay! for good. Holy cow. 
BWT is the pink sponsor that's on the car. Correct. And that was Otmar Schaffenauer's favorite connection. Yes. And so what I will say, though, here's my prediction. It has not been stated, but I know that Otmar Schaffenauer will land on his feet. Oh, yeah. He seems like a... He's a very desirable figure in the sport. He has a very desirable figure. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say that. That, Him and Zach Brown. That silhouette is as iconic as a Porsche 911, baby. Just representing America, both of them. Oh, freaking screw you guys. So, (laughs) but Otmar is very close with Total Wolf. And so I see... A potential future for Otmar. Otmar becoming a reserve driver at Mercedes. Total Wolf is just collecting everyone else. Move, Mick. (laughs) Move. We have a new seat fitting. It's going to take days. Jeremy Clarkson stuck in that car. Uh, uh, I can't get out. I'm going to have to disassemble the factory. Yeah. That's amazing. So Otmar, I think, will probably land at a Mercedes. I'm excited to see the new livery for Alpine. Well, it'll probably stay pink for the remainder of the year, but next year. Or I don't know. That's actually interesting. I would be curious to see if BWT says, take our logo off your car. That'd be wild. Summer break. Summer break. I would have mad respect if they did, actually. Yeah. That was our rants on the toxic environment at Alpine and the news about Matteo Bonotto finally coming back to the grid. We've missed him. We missed you. Gosh. So this week I kind of realized that, so Daniel Ricardo right. and Sebastian Vettel have one thing in common. What's that? They are the only drivers to have left Red Bull voluntarily. That's a very interesting statistic. I mean, you, I don't know how you would uh, talk about David Coulthard and Mark Webber. Right. The they people retired. who retired. Yeah. T- but, but Sebastian left Red Bull for Ferrari. Right. Daniel left Red Bull for Renault. Correct. And then... And then, Everyone else has just been canned. But the best part is, is that they've made a return in some form. They have. Daniel is in Alpha Atari. Right. And Sebastian's showing up and doing YouTube videos around the Nürburgring in an F1 car. And yeah. Like, he, like very tight with the Red Bull family. So very interesting point. Oh, because they were the ones to break up with Red Bull. Red Bull's obsessed with them. Right. Kind of like if you're the one to break up with a girl or, or, or a boy. Right. Then that person's then obsessed with you. Yeah, they're like, like, oh my gosh, I just want the one that got away. Yeah, when they're back, you're like, oh yeah. Well, I mean, maybe there's some truth to that. I will say, I feel like the Red Bull group does a better job of getting loyalty out of their people. Mm. I think that that's something that Alpine obviously clearly didn't figure out with Oscar Piastri. Right. Okay. Yeah. And Red Bull seems to have some kind of lineage, some kind of feeling of like Alex Albon is racing for Williams a Mercedes team, but all last year had Red Bull on his helmet, mm. even though he was on a team that was the enemy. Interesting. Know? Has anyone ever just like left Ferrari because they were sick of it? They always go to Ferrari and die. Alain Prost went to Ferrari and left and then came to Williams mm. and ended his career at Williams, mm. winning a championship because you know the Williams track record of yeah. win a championship and then there's yeah. the door. But yeah, there's been a few drivers that have gone to Ferrari and come back. But those were in the days of being like, you can be 40 in an F1 driver, yeah. where the anomaly these days is yeah. that Fernando Alonso is 40 in an F- F1 driver. Yeah. Uh, it was much more common in Nigel Mansell's day. Yeah. You know. Interesting to think about. Definitely super interesting. And something that I wanted to actually kind of tag onto that is the culture that they've built that is like this winning culture that doesn't seem to exude the same type of character. Mm-hmm. 
it was interesting because I, I heard Tom Clarkson say this and it was kind of echoing a similar thought that I had when we were talking about how Max isn't the dirtbag villain that we kind of make him out to be sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I Something that we haven't really addressed, but we can quickly try address on the podcast is that you might have heard us make a reference to a certain driver and a certain private jet. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. a certain use of its lavatory. Yes. Or the restroom. Pooping in the old Hamilton <laughs> toilet. And so the rumor is, is that Lewis Hamilton's pilot used the bathroom on the airplane uh-huh. that belongs to Lewis and that he was almost fired for doing so mm-hmm. once Lewis found out. Obviously, that kind of behavior would bring out a rumor. <laughs> because then he did it to a girl who came to his apartment. Did he really? Yeah, that was. there's more to the stories. Where there he, was more? Yeah. I had no idea. Where like, a, I think it was a journalist doing a story on Lewis, went to his apartment and used the bathroom. And then when she came out, he gave her a talking to, like, you're not supposed to do that. Like, like this is my toilet. Yeah, like, yeah. do not do that. <laughs> and so... Anyway, what were you saying? So, ba- <laughs> so basically, I needed to set that up. Yeah. To explain the difference between a good a Max, person and a, a bad person. A Max Verstappen and a Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Lewis is a very typical Formula One world champion. Yeah. He's a mega star. Yeah. He's a don't use this bathroom level of celebrity. Ground rules for weird things. Okay, yeah. Type of individual. Yeah. Sebastian wasn't really that guy, but... He was such a success at such a young age and whatever, kind of the first to ever do it, Mm -hmm. that I think that he kind of exuded a little bit of that same stardom level Mm -hmm. that Lewis has. But Max is the dude who's giving Daniel and Lando a ride to the track on his private jet. Hmm. Yeah. He's never not invited drivers to ride on his private plane. Hmm. And he always seems to be... So you're making a case that Max Verstappen is kind of a nice guy. He's kind of a normal guy. Kind of a normal guy. And Tom Clarkson used a story today to describe this situation where after the press media gathering for Spa, Mm -hmm. he noticed that Sergio Perez left his water bottle. So Tom went over and grabbed it and was walking through the the paddock Mm -hmm. with it. And Max saw Tom holding a drink bottle that was Mm -hmm. a Red Bull drink bottle. And he said, what are, you, what are you doing with one of our drink bottles? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, he said, oh, Sergio left his drink bottle, so I was going to take it back to him. Mm-hmm. And Max says, I'll take it. And grabbed it from him and took it to gotcha. Sergio. Yeah. And Tom's like, like, stunned. Stunned. Stunned that uh, the current guy who's beating everybody, but also a former two-time champion now, is that yeah. behavior. Yeah, just helpful. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I'll and take that to Sergio. Like, Whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. No I'm big deal. On the way. Whereas, like, Lewis would never take George Russell his yeah, water Lewis bottle. Lewis is late for, like, a new fashion fitting from <laughs> Louis Vuitton. Right. So, the the character differences, there was something that I, I, I think that that's where Max Verstappen doesn't feel as villainous. Mm-hmm. I know he's dominant and, like, he's yeah, got a little bit of... interesting take, Mike. He's got a little bit of arrogance to yeah. him, sure, and being like, let's do a pit stop. But yeah. it's also kind of like, that's comical. Yeah. You know? Interesting. So... Maybe he's not the villain. Maybe he's not as bad. I mean, Joss is for sure. Like Joss, oh, yeah. Joss for Stephen's villain. <laughs> but not Max. It's Luke and Darth Vader. It is. Okay. Totally. All right. Last little thing we want to cover for the night is Haas's upgrades in the summer break. Yes. Summer break is just what it is. It's a summer break. We have about three weeks where we don't have any races. And then we come back strong with the Dutch Grand Prix. But that will be on August 25th through 27th. Um, so we have a couple of weeks without it. I think from what I understand, Mike, is that teams use this time to upgrade their car. This is normally when we see big upgrades. They come back and teams have like 
improved in their performance or maybe not. But yeah, what else is, I mean, drivers will go around the world and hang out. (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely some time off that's much needed Mm -hmm. uh, because the holidays are such a busy period for Formula One teams. They have to build the car for next year. They have Mm -hmm. to win tunnel tests. They do a lot of things during the holiday season. Mm -hmm. So Christmas is not a great time to be an F1 employee. (laughs) Mm. The summer break is a forced FIA thing. A regulation is a rule that they have to be closed for at least 14 days. Okay. This freezes anything that is a development. Oh. So no teams are allowed to actually work on anything like that. Oh, so I was wrong. But it can some of the things can go forward. So say you have a planned upgrade or whatever, mm-hmm. then like if you can have somehow a week after the summer break is taken place where you can make those parts and have them to the track, then that works. Yeah. But the only people who are allowed to do anything during the break are the legal team, marketing, and finance. Okay. And it's the only three teams that can work during the summer break. Gotcha. But it is a mandatory 14-day shutdown, and uh, just so people see their families. Gotcha, yeah. And actually have a breath for a moment. Interesting. Okay, so that's a good rundown of what the summer break is. Yep. Uh, What can we expect from Haas coming back? I feel like we've been waiting for some changes. Yeah. So Gunter was recently approached this weekend actually about whether or not Haas has given up on 2023 and starting to focus on next year's car. Okay. Which is totally an option for a lot of these teams on how they disperse the budget and whatever. Yeah. And Gunter has said that their focus is still on 23 because 23 still affects 24. Yes. The regulations are the same next year. So if they continue to develop this year's car, that will still spill into next year's car. And why not try and win more points so that you can hopefully get higher in the standings and, and get more money. And get more money in return. Yeah. Right. So upgrades for this season and the the development plan is still on course, so they haven't changed anything. And they're still just trying to make a, a, a bigger difference. Kevin Magnuson said that they're starting to get a little bit of a grip on where they think they can improve and how mm-hmm. the car can get better. But he does think that there are still some tough races ahead okay. since the car hasn't really dialed those in. Uh, but they just need to be patient. And they need to keep soldiering on and, and trying to get as many points as they can when those opportunities arise. Cool. Very cool. Well, we have a too long, too long before we can watch another race. We have the endless summer break. As Maybe I that's call why it. they gave us two races last weekend. Yeah, a turducken of races. <laughs> a turducken. They the want to. They want to send weekend. us into hibernation full. Exactly. <laughs> so we have three races to chill, hang out, maybe watch an IndyCar race in the meantime. Mm. Find some other motorsport to keep us satisfied. Um, but then we're back at it. Anyway, so thanks for that rundown, Mike. Yeah. Share us, like us, subscribe, subscribe, and then send us questions. Yeah, we love questions. We look forward to coming back to you after the summer break with some super duper fun news. Super duper fun news. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. We have a lot coming down the pipe and it's coming down right after summer break. So stay tuned. We are stoked about it. We're excited to have you guys along for the ride. All right. Boss boys out. And the amount of edits needs to be represented by the number of speed that we do with the race car.